Well, hello, Wellspring Church. I am excited uh, today to be closing out our race relations series. Over the last kind of two weeks, we've had amazing speakers kind of unpack this topic of racism and how racism is sin. And if you missed those, I highly encourage you to go back and watch those. But uh, you might be watching this right now and asking yourself uh, a question that I was asking myself when I was planning a sermon on racism is, what does a 31-year-old white boy have to speak on the topic of racism? And here's the reality. Last week, we, we kind of unpacked this idea of grouping, right? Uh, if you're watching this right now and you're a dude, right? I'm a dude. We're in the same group. We kind of understand each other a little bit, but we understand each other. And then if you're a woman watching this right now, you have this kind of women's group. But I have a wife, Heather. She's amazing, beautiful. I have a relationship with her, so because of that relationship, I will never understand what it is to be a woman. Trust me, I will never understand. But because of that relationship, I have kind of have a peek into her life and into her experiences, so I have an idea of some of the things she goes through. So when I was 12, I had a kind of a similar experience where I got to peek into one of my outgroups. Someone who was different than me, and I got to experience, I will never fully experience, but I had a moment of gathering perspective. Um, Many of you know, when I was 12 years old, my parents were no longer able to have children naturally, so they felt that God laid on their heart to go with adoption. So seventh month old, we met my amazing brother, Gavin. If you've met him, you know he's the coolest person ever. When I grow up, I want to be as cool as Gavin. But here's the thing. Um, Gavin looks a little different than us. There might be a picture. Um, You see, when we adopted Gavin, Gavin is black, right? And so he looks different than my mom and dad and me, but Gavin is my brother. But here's the the reality, is up until uh, that adoption, I had never really experienced fully this topic of racism, where, where my parents kind of grew up, and, and we, we grew up in a missionary family. We always had people of different, you know, ethnicities and, and, and all those things coming in and out of our home. The idea of racism wasn't really ever a topic, but when I was, we were going through the adoption process, here, here's an example of something that happened to my brother that I experienced. Um, we were kind of in a church environment, and I remember way in the beginning, uh, Gavin was kind of playing, and, and we had a a person walked up to my parents and I and said, um, did you know that Gavin was black before you adopted him? And, um, you know, my parents, well, well, yeah, I mean, we got to meet Gavin. It was an amazing experience. Of course, we got to, we, we knew this. And then, and then they paused for a minute and said, Well, after you had time to kind of think about it, did you have the opportunity to give him back? And this was the first time in my life that I had this this real picture of just just evil. That this was an amazing young boy, and the fact that you would say something like that just gave me such an ugly picture. And what hurt me so much is this wasn't someone outside the world making this comment. This was someone inside of the church. Because when you unpack that comment, this is what that means. Like, if you had the choice between a white child and a black child, you should have picked the white child because that would have been the better choice. Pure evil. 
Now, let, let's be real here. Um, there are some, but there are very few self-identified racists, right? There are definitely some, trust me, but there are very few people who raise their hand and are like, yeah, I'm a racist, proud of it, you know, let's go. Though many in our country and many in our churches struggle with this topic of racism, the reality is, is that racism still exists inside of our churches and if we're going to tackle this issue, because that's why we're doing this series, we have to tackle this issue as a church. We have to be willing to stand before God and say, God, you need to look into my heart. I need to look into your character and say, where in my life that you need to search me, that you need to break me? When it comes to this topic of racism, where in my life do I need to be broken with this idea of favoritism, bias, or partiality? Well, today we're going to turn to some scripture, and my prayer is that, that while we read this and study this, the Holy Spirit will kind of expand our perspective when it comes to this topic of racism. So today we're going to be looking um, in the book of James, particularly James chapter 2. So if you're watching online, um, there'll probably be a link to go there, or you can use the Bible app. But um, the book of James was written in one of the most divisive times in human history, whether that be economics or nationality or religion or, I mean, literally any topic that you can think of, there was division. Does that sound familiar at all? So if, if we're going to topic to conquer this topic of division, what better place to go than James? And in this passage, James is going to tackle this topic of partiality, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more. So let's jump in um, to this passage. It starts off at James 2, starting in verse 1. It says, My brothers... Show no partiality as you hold to the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And we're going to stop right there. What I love about James is James doesn't pull any punches. What he's saying here is, listen, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, there you should show no partiality in of yourself. Here's the definition of partiality. Unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared to another. When it comes to the topic of partiality, it should hold no place inside of our faith because it's contrary to the character of God. Partiality has no place for a Christian because it goes against everything that our God stands for. We're going to continue in this passage, and, and James is going to use this, this idea of economics to kind of display and illustrate this idea of partiality. So let's read. Verse 2, it says, For a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothing and say, You sit here in the good place. While you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or, or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? What James is doing here is giving us example and emphasizing that this, this passage isn't about rich or poor. What this passage is about is that you thinking that you're better than someone else. 
And here's the reality, and we see it in this passage. These kinds of things manifest themselves in thoughts. So here, here's a question for you. Um, what are you allowing to dictate the narrative of your thoughts? Right, are, are all you're doing, if you're saying, well, I might, might struggle with this topic of like, uh, you know, favoritism and partiality and racial bias, and th- I might struggle a little bit in this area. Well, what are you feeding your thoughts with? Are you only watching the news? Are you only scrolling your social media feed? Are you only at work hanging out with that one group of guys who always makes those jokes, right? Because if you surround yourself with these things, I don't know how you can't think that they're going to manifest in other ways. This is why we see that love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Because if we're filling our heart, mind, and soul with Jesus, there won't be any place in room in our heart for these kinds of sin. There won't be any place left. Let's continue reading in verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture... You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Simple, clear, not confusing. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law of the transgressors. For whoever keeps the law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. That's why I am thankful for the gospel. Here's our big idea for today, is to don't show favorites, show love. This idea of favoritism and partiality and racial bias, they don't fit into the idea of being a follower of Jesus because it goes against the character of Jesus. Pause and think about this. Jesus literally died for his enemies. Jesus literally died for those that didn't love him yet. Jesus didn't die for just those in his in-group. Jesus didn't die for just his homies. Jesus didn't die for just his friends. Jesus didn't show favorites. Jesus just showed love, and that is our call to action as followers of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why we wanted to do this series in church is, number one, we felt this was a really important issue to tackle. But the other reason is we thought it'd be important to help expand our perspective. You know, so often we kind of dive into just our in-groups, right? Just people who look like us, talk like us, all all the like us. And so rarely do we expand our perspective and listen to someone in our out group. Well, this week, I sat down with with two people. One, his name is Philip Brilliant. Um, He is the president of the local synagogue here in Toms River. And I also sat down with an amazing black leader. His name is Juan Mendez. He is the director of the Colony Mercy at America's Keswick. And we sat down to talk about this idea of racism and how it fits into our local context. So we're going to watch a quick video, and we're going to watch this. Um, So take a watch. So we're just going to dump in the deep end of the pool. Again, there's really no way to sugarcoat when we're talking about these topics of like racism and, and racial issues. Um, so from both of your perspectives, let's just go with this. Has there ever been a time in our local context where you feel like maybe you or your family has ever experienced racism um, from either your skin color or your nationality? You know, like, so maybe talk about a little bit about that. 
we diving right in? Yeah, we're just, we're just going <laughs> we're deep in. Right <laughs> we'll start from the left. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, when you talk about racism, it's a, you know, like you said, it's a, a fine line. It's a long line. Yeah. Of, uh, we're extremes. Uh, sometimes it can be overt, uh, where it's just right in your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it can be covert, yeah. where it could be unconscious to the individual or it's more subtle. Mm-hmm. And so I experienced it. Uh, I've been in this area for 15 years. So I experienced both. Mm-hmm. In, in some regards. And so uh, when you talk about overt, it was right in your face, uh, being Hispanic and African-American, Hispanic and black. Mm-hmm. I've heard it on both sides of the coin. Yeah. I've heard, I've been called a, the N word. Mm. I've been called what they would say, uh, like a spick. Yeah. That's a term for Spanish. Yeah. Uh, so I've been called those uh, type of words very uh, overt. Mm. Um, also, here's the interesting thing about racism. Since I'm also Spanish and black, I've been with a lot of Latinos yeah. who share things about African-Americans and blacks. Yeah. And I've been around a lot of blacks who share things about Latino. Right. So it's not always uh, what you think. It's even minority to minority yeah. when it comes to racism. Yeah. And so overt, or th- that's overt, but covert mm. ways are, are, are like this. Uh, since I work in addiction recovery, most of my clients or, or, or clientele or people we deal with have legal issues. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we got to end up in courtrooms and in situations. So interesting, right across the street, we have the courtroom. Yep. And I have to take some guys to probation. And sometimes uh, they're Caucasian. Sometimes uh, they're well-dressed, the guys that I take with me. Mm-hmm. And when I go to the desk, uh, it's almost as I am the Right, uh, the guy on probation in the. I, I actually had somebody ask me that. Yeah, uh, are you taking your client to probation? Yeah, and I was actually the guy taking wow. the client to probation. And so, um, I don't know if uh, that that was a conscious thing. Yeah, at that point, uh, it could have been just like a, a, a quiet bias in mm. that individual's life. So. Yeah, well, I've experienced both. And that's, I think, one of the things we've been talking about is this subtle idea of our assumptions, right? We, we don't even sometimes know where our assumptions come from. It comes from the things we watch to the conversations we have to the families we were brought up in. So we enter into moments like that, really acting foolishly and like idiots, entering into maybe a racist scenario off a bad assumption. So, and I think that's where I really want to challenge our people watching this is, to really look inside their hearts and say, where are the areas where I'm not even aware that I might be doing things like that based on really poor, ungodly assumptions? So what about you? Yeah, and you, I mean, you talk about the, you know, the families that we grew up in mm. and, you know, we don't consider ourselves to be racist. Um, we don't think about some of the things we may have said 40 years ago mm. that were commonplace. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my perfect example I always talk about is I remember watching every week All in a Family, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch All in a Family today, there is no more racist show in the world. Yeah. Um, but, it, but that was commonplace. Mm. Things have changed. And I grew up, I've only been in Tom's River for about 30 years, mm. 27 we figured out. <laughs> and uh, I grew up in New Brunswick. So I went actually to Franklin Township just outside New Brunswick. And, you know, it was a school that was predominantly minorities. Mm-hmm. And so to me, everybody was equal. Mm. You know, we never talked about things. Now, I heard the N-word, but that was really, you know, two African-Americans to each other because they, they use it yeah. all the time, you know. As a substitute for a substitute for yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to me, I never thought twice. It just what it was. And we school ended at noon, mm-hmm. and you went home for lunch. 
because if you got a crowd of people together of mixed um, ethnic backgrounds, mm -hmm. you had riots. So we didn't have lunch. Mm. And that was how I grew up. And I've learned things are different. Yeah. And coming to Tom's River and raising a family in Tom's River, you know, so, you know, there's different types of racism. And, you know, you said before, it's ethnic, it's, it's color of skin and everything. On the Jewish side, mm -hmm. you know, it's very interesting because I remember, you know, having people throw pennies at me mm. because Jews are yeah. cheap. Yeah. Um, my daughter's, um, now, I've, I, my, my two oldest daughters are actually Christian mm -hmm. because my ex-wife was uh, not Jewish and my youngest daughter was raised Jewish. Mm -hmm. And the divide between the two, they could be on the same bus and people threw pennies at my daughter mm. here in Tom's River. Yeah. And this is going back 15, 20 years. Yeah. You know, what we've seen today in Tom's River is we've seen people have an overt opinion of the Jewish migration into Tom's River. Mm -hmm. And when I say migration, the north part of Tom's River, North Dover, is predominantly Orthodox Jewish now. Yeah. Now I'm conservative Jewish. Right. Um, I don't go to Orthodox synagogues on Saturday, and they don't come to mind. We're different in that matter. Mm -hmm. If there's a house for sale on my street, and an Orthodox family comes and looks at it, my neighbors are gathered in the street, and I go, hey, what's going on? They're like, oh, they're moving into our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who's moving into our neighborhood? Mm. And they're like, you know, the Jews. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm Jewish. They're like, not you're Jewish. They're Jewish. Right. And I'm like, but we're all one in the same. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you talk about overt, you talk about open, you talk about covert, you know, it's out there and people don't even realize it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the famous saying, if you want somebody to give you a better price, yeah. you Jew them down. Mm. I mean, I've had people say that to me. I own my own business. And I'm like, I can't believe you just said that to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. But people don't think twice sometimes about right. what hurts others. Yeah. And that is one of our biggest problems. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, again, even a moment, like a video like this is to really cause us to go, oh, like, maybe I need to slow my words down. Maybe I need to process the things I'm saying and really take some self-evaluation. Like, where are comments like that coming from? Right? And I think that's everyone on multiple different levels needs to take a time uh, to do that. So now let's go a step further. Um, again, I'm going to assume that many watching this video are from the Christian church. Um, for both of you, have you ever experienced racism from inside of the Christian church? Well, look around every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just realized how segregated we are. Yeah. Um, and, and I got to say, uh, preferences on convictions, mm -hmm. that I look around my church and a lot of people look like me. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and everybody this morning, if you look around, you'll probably say, most people look like me mm -hmm. in, in, in church. Uh, and yeah, the sad thing is, uh, uh, with like many issues, if these issues are not dealt with, mm -hmm. they will manifest themselves in the church. The church doesn't automatically wipe out the fact that you have issues. Yeah. And we know that. Right? Yep. And so, yes, I have experienced it. Here's, here's a couple ways I've experienced it. The assumption that we worship mm -hmm. a little different, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's a little different. Uh, sometimes they even said that my worship is a little wrong. Right. Uh, maybe because our expression mm -hmm. uh, of worship is uh, very active and 
creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, some would say it's emotionalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I find that interesting uh, because my counterparts, I, I know plenty of white churches uh, that I go to that has just as much energy. Yep. So it's almost like discounting their energy in the way they worship. And so I've had people say, well, you know, um, uh, you know, worship like those churches mm-hmm. and don't realize I go to one of those churches. <laughs> yeah. And also to discount the fact that not only one ethnicity get to worship like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not always just about emotions. Yeah. It's just about the way people express their love for God and the way they express it might look a little different. So I experienced that firsthand yeah. about, oh, the, the way those guys worship and, and it's emotionalism. Yeah. African-Americans can be emotional. Latinos are emotional right. when they come to worship. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, again, I've heard, I've heard that too. And, but then I have, I've gotten to see through the eyes of my brother who has gone to an African-American church and see the energy and the passion and the love they have for God. And frankly, there's sometimes I walk in and I'm jealous of like, I wish our churches, our white churches would have that passion and energy, but it's amazing how it gets discounted because of your skin color. It's like, ah, that's, that's not, it's not the way we do it. Um, last week we had a talk about this idea of us versus them. And what's interesting is like, you could, even in this circle, it could be us because we have the same faith and them. Or it could be we're different because you worship maybe your style of worship in your church a little bit. And so we have such a tendency to do this us versus them, but we're all made in the image of God and we're, it's us. It, there isn't an us versus them mentality and how really sad when we let that creep into our heart. Um, so Philip, yeah, well, I was going to say too is, I mean, um, you know, over, unfortunately, over my, my 10-year period as president, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of tragedies in this country. Mm-hmm. We've had the shooting in Charleston in a church. We had the shooting in Pittsburgh in a synagogue, in California at a synagogue, around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the world has changed from when we, well, maybe when we grew up as kids. Um, actually, you're younger than me, too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, he's a young guy. Yeah. You know, but uh, I mean, uh, you know, to think that we have services with security guards. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've held vigils in our front lawn every time something has happened mm-hmm. in America that we need to come together mm-hmm. and we all come together. Right. You know, and we all have different beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, we pray differently, mm-hmm. but you know, it's unfortunate that when it's tragedy, we come we together unify. Yeah. and we unify. Yeah. There has to be a way to get past that, mm-hmm. that the color of our skin or, you know, and again, religion is different. Yeah. I will give it that, Yeah. you know, but other than just tragedy, we need to be able to come together to enjoy the good, mm-hmm. to pray together. And, you know, people pray in different tongues. Mm-hmm. They pray in, in, in different buildings. And, you know, but there has to be a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, we just keep dividing. Yeah. And I you know we're not talking politics, but in a country that's divided, mm-hmm. you know, religion is one of the things to bring us all back together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, definitely, definitely what it is. Of course, I forgot the question. Um, so I'm going to remind me again. Uh, racism from someone maybe inside of yeah. the Christian church. So, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to say five or six years ago, um, Tom's River Strong mm-hmm. became a nasty saying. Okay. Okay. We had, you know, the um, Tom's River, the Orthodox Jewish community moving into North Dover, mm-hmm. and people don't like change. 
Right. I've lived in this neighborhood for 20 years. This is my house. Mm-hmm. I don't like the neighborhood changing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whether you, you want to talk about blockbusting and if that's in North Dover, if that's in Long Island, or mm-hmm. that's in other areas that have happened based upon race, based upon religion. You know, in Tom's River, this Tom's River strong became something that was nasty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it really got shown in public meetings mm-hmm. when the Chabad here in town and Chabad. I'm always trying to figure out the best way to describe what Chabad is. So I'm a, I'm a conservative Jew. You have Orthodox, and then you have Chabad. Mm-hmm. Now, he practiced similar to Orthodox, Rabbi Garari, but he welcomes everybody. Okay. It doesn't matter your race, your religion. You are always welcomed in his synagogue to pray. Mm-hmm. And he will wrap to fill in with you the prayers on your arms because they're an outward going organization mm. that makes sure that they reach people of every race and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he had a building that was a non-conformance use here in Tom's River. Okay. And the anger that was put out by the residents of Tom's River on social media mm-hmm. and in a packed house at Tom's River High School North Auditorium that I didn't know where I was living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to say it was the Christian community. I'm not going to say it was the Jewish community. I'm not going to say it was the black community. It was Tom's River. Right. And everybody came together against, you know, this individual, but it was really against the bigger purpose of different people moving into our town. Yeah. You know, and when you talk about, you know, Judaism being 2% of the population in this country, Mm -hmm. and probably, I don't know how, maybe we've grown a little in Tom's River, but Mm -hmm. it's a very small percentage, you know, when all these people come out, you feel threatened. Yeah. And and then you look on Facebook and you realize that these social medias, that these are people your neighbors, yeah. your kids go to school with, and then you're wondering where you're living. Mm. So I don't want to say it was directly the Christian community, right. but it was the entire township community. Yeah. And I'd like to think that we've all learned our lessons from that. Yeah. And we want to be a community. Well, one of the things um, our senior leader, Jason, uh, went to a town hall meeting. And I remember this conversation for us, even as a church having this series, started about a year and a half ago, where he was in a town hall meeting and hearing some of the experiences of some of our Jewish brothers and sisters have had in this community wrecked him um, because they were very forthright of the racism that they've experienced. And it was like, we can't let this go in our church. Like it, 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 cause again, you can always point fingers, but for us, this is a conversation we need to have because this is not, we know how we're supposed to be living and acting. And so, um, that's why this is such an important conversation. Yeah. And I appreciate Wellspring and, you know, the time that, uh, we're taking to discuss things like this, because a lot of times we don't know how people feel. Um, mm-hmm. nobody knows the, the, the talks that I had with my grandmother yeah. and her experience from the South. Yeah. Nobody, uh, had the talk with your family members or your congregations. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like an educational piece. Yeah. It's like, I'm learning today about your experiences. And now I have a different perspective to add on my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think about the Jewish community. Yeah. And so I thank you for, you know, just having this time space mm-hmm. to be able to educate myself mm-hmm. in order to learn. Yeah. And I think it's great to bring everybody together. And I think it's also important, you know, when you, when you do it on a Sunday morning or people may watch it afterwards, 
that they sit down with their family and they watch it. Yeah. And there's an open discussion because mm-hmm. it can't just end when the TV goes off. Right. It has to be something that we do every day mm-hmm. and that we're sensitive to. And that we, I mean, cause that's how you stop the people from walking up to somebody else and saying something inappropriate. Yeah. Think twice before you speak. And you know, so I think it's something, you know, we talk about how much, less time we have at home these days with our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, my kids are grown up, but you know, the days that we have, especially during a pandemic Mm -hmm. where people are homeschooling, you know, and you have all your kids, this is the time to really start, you know, setting forth that attitude so that people understand that you can hurt somebody with the word. Yeah. You know, and you talked about what Jason saw at the, uh, the town hall meeting. I mean, I listened to the stories of, you know, some of the, uh, you know, Orthodox members of our community go into synagogue on Saturday morning. They all walk. They don't drive. Mm-hmm. And having coffee, hot coffee thrown in their face, mm-hmm. rocks, um, you know, people swerving at them on the road where they think they're going to get hit. And there are large families mm-hmm. walking with their kids in strollers to think that in our community, people threaten people like that. Yeah. And it has to start at home. Yep. It has to be in every religious institution in our town mm-hmm. in our community and further on but we have to keep that going yeah so that's an amazing transition um, for our last question and that's so often when we think about the topic of racial bias and racism it feels so big especially when you look at the news so overwhelming it's what's from your guys perspective what's one maybe one practical thing someone who's watching this can do to say hey i'm going to I'm going to take a step in the right direction. I'm going to do this. What's one practical step someone can take? This. Yeah. I believe this is a, a practical step. Mm-hmm. Sitting down across from somebody that's different than you, that mm-hmm. looks different than you, that talks different than you, and learning and growing from their experiences, uh, what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. Another thing, a practical example, I've learned as a counselor uh, that people have biases. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have uh internal messages mm-hmm. that they probably not aware of. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you clearly, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep it clean. Somebody are, some people are clearly racist. That's yeah. just what it is. That's yep. just the world we live in. Yep. I don't want to minimize that. <clears throat> but there is another group of people that don't even know that there are some biases that they struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so what we learned in counseling is like doing self-care to understand your own biases, uh, uncovering them. And so they won't hinder relational Mm. issues and so yeah just uncovering biases um hidden messages in your own self and also sitting down with somebody in this like this forum Mm -hmm. learning growing developing somebody else's Mm. um, experiences and understanding cool yeah i mean i i second that i agree 100 i think it's it's more of this yeah people gotta have to talk Mm. okay you know yeah i remember you you grew up you knew every one of your neighbors okay you need to you need some sugar, you went to your neighbor, people had coffee, people were hanging out together in their driveways. We don't do that anymore. We stay in our houses. We, I mean, again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. What else do you expect? But even without a pandemic, we, yeah. don't, we don't do those things anymore. I think we need to know our neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to get out and we need to reach people and, and really interact. And, I, and I, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. You know, my, my kids are older, but I had an opportunity this summer to drive cross country with my youngest daughter because she moved to Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since she played softball six years ago when she retired, um, we have never spent that much time together mm-hmm. just talking. Mm-hmm. It was a great 32 hours. 
I, at least I think so. I don't, you know, you'll have to ask her. Um, you know, you know. But it was it was great to be able to find out who she is again. Yeah. Because she's changed. Mm. Okay. We all have this time, unfortunately, because of this pandemic. But whether we're taking our kids to soccer, or whether we're going to church, or whether we're just sitting home having dinner as a family for the first time, because now we can. Mm-hmm. The conversation has to happen yeah. about life, right. about community. Turn the TV off for a few minutes because there's nothing to watch anyway. You know, and I think that is where it really has to be and has to start. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been the first person to say that this pandemic is going to be solely based on human nature mm-hmm. and what people are willing to do and what people are willing to leave their house for. Mm-hmm. It goes the other way too. When you're staying at home, what are you teaching at home? Mm-hmm. And using that time valuably to be able to interact with your kids, your family, your grandparents. And, you know, we've created this new thing called Zoom. Yeah. I wish I bought stock in it. But, <laughs> you know, you reach people around the world. Yeah. You know, reach out and touch someone, like they used to say. So I, I hope that that video was an impactful to you. I hope that video helped gather some perspective for you. I've known Juan my entire, almost my entire life, and to sit across from him and and hear some of his experiences, man, it broke my heart. We have spent now the last three weeks talking about this conversation of racism and how the Bible is so clear that racism is sin, that we're all made in the image of God, and the way through this topic is the love of God. So what do we do now? What what is the action step that we all need to do? And I want to challenge you with this verse. And the verse also comes from James. And it says, in in James 1, it says this. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, but having but but no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Church, my prayer for my prayer when I was studying the scripture, my prayer for you right now is that, that through all of this, that we would be bold enough to take a hard look into mirror and not to just to click off of this broadcast, not to just let the last three weeks go by, look intently in, in ourself in the mirror. Maybe we feel something. Maybe we're like, yeah, that conversation I had last week maybe wasn't up to the character of Christ in this area. Maybe that, that friend group or that thing I'm listening to, whatever it is, it's not up to the, to the character of Christ when it comes to this topic of racism. I know this. Don't be a person who walks away and forgets. Now is the time to take action. It's time to take action, to say, God, where in my life do I need to be broken? God, search my heart because I want to live more like you and I want to love more like you. Change always starts from the inside and change always starts with you. What would happen is if this church 
became a community of believers that loved, but not only loved, loved impartially. If we became a community of, of, of believers like that, we would be loving like our king. A king that doesn't show favorites, but just shows love. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I pray right now. God, when we talk about this topic, God, it can be sensitive for others, but God, this is not a sensitive topic to you. Jesus, you died on the cross for every single man and woman. God, I pray right now for those watching online. God, if there is a, there's an area of their heart where they know they're harboring this topic of favoritism, they're harboring this, this idea of partiality, they're harboring this topic of racism, God, I pray that they'd be bold enough to say it has to stop. God, I want to live more like you. I want to be like you. Jesus, change us. Allow us to be bold enough to love like you. Let us be bold enough to look like you. Jesus, I thank you for loving us. I thank you that even in our mistakes, even in our sometimes lack, God, that you shared your gospel with us and that you love us. Jesus, don't leave us unchanged. And in your holy name, amen. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you. And we hope you have a fantastic week.